Welcome to this week's episode of the Compass Equip Podcast. I'm so glad to be joining you. As a matter of fact, as I'm recording this, it's Sunday evening at 8.20. Uh, Pastor Evan and I decided maybe this, this evening I could spend some time uh, and come to the house and prepare for this. So I'm actually recording live here in my dining room. So welcome to my dining room. So glad that you are joining us on this week's episode of the Compass Equip Podcast. A reminder just for you to memorize the mission of Compass Bible Church, we exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ by reaching people for Christ, teaching people to be like Christ, and training people to serve Christ. And everything we do here at Compass, including this podcast, is to fulfill the mission of reaching, teaching, and training. Church, I was just so happy to jump in, in one sense back into the Gospel of Matthew, but to start our new series, Summer on the Mount, The Countercultural Kingdom, where we, this week focused on fasting. And this comes from Matthew 6, starting in verse 16. And I will read starting there. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Reminder that our preaching point for this week was this, that we must ensure that our personal sacrifices to God are never exploited for the purpose of gaining others' praise and attention. And this preaching point found its way to flesh out into our congregation in three points. Number one, we need to, to deny our tendency for self-focused worship. That's something that we're often uh, tempted to do even in degrees, some of us uh, greater uh, than others, some of us one degree, some of us 10 to 15 to 20, and maybe even very fewer of you, uh, 80 to 100 percent of even the f- worship that we give, even the spiritual disciplines uh, that we commit to, if we really look often, our motivations tend to turn it uh, and make it about us, much like even the Pharisee that we talked about Uh, in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 18 and verses 9 through 14 that talked about uh, that Pharisee who, although was committed to the spiritual disciplines, made them all about me. I tithe. I fast twice a week. I do this. I'm not like those other people. Uh, It's a really good example of saying, I'm going to do the spiritual disciplines, but they're focused on self and it's idolatry. And so we got to make sure that as we're living out the spiritual disciplines, as we're living out faithfulness under the Lord, that as a church, we're going to deny our tendency for self-focused worship. Now, what that requires, church, is a uh, understanding and, and a, uh, I, w- I would argue, a patient and uh, deep, uh, slow look at my motivations and why am I doing what I'm doing? Because so often we live in a fast-paced society. We're trying to be quick to do most of the things that we can do and that are on our checklist to do. And we, if we're not careful, don't slow down enough, even in our spiritual disciplines, to check our hearts and motivation. Why am I praying this morning? Why am I doing my daily Bible reading? Why am I going to life group? And then as we think about that diligently then we can begin weeding out any self-focused idea of the spiritual disciplines, any self-focused worship that is idolatry, 
and we can begin rooting it out through the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. But it takes uh, some intense uh, I, time to slow down and to look at myself and ask myself, what are my motivations of doing this right now? Maybe I'm not, uh, even as we, we look at the Pharisees, maybe I'm not as ostentatious as the Pharisees and not as loud about my self-focused worship as the Pharisees. But how am I inclined? What is my tendency uh, to make worship about me, to make my spiritual disciplines about me instead of focusing them on God, how he had designed us uh, to, uh, to do when it comes to our spiritual disciplines? Secondly, a great way to practically make sure we're denying our tendency for self-focused worship is to present ourselves ordinarily, which is point number two. And as you, you listen to the sermon uh, this Sunday, I, I hope that that was helpful for you. And I love how Jesus gave just very clear, practical counsel. When you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. Basically, in our world, take a shower, clean up, put on some nice clothes, and, and keep going with your life. Your Father in heaven sees you. And that's exactly what it says. Your Father in heaven sees you. He knows what you're going through. He knows the commitment that you're giving. And if you remember that the commitment is to Him and not to others, uh, particularly the personal spiritual disciplines or our corporate spiritual disciplines that are unto the others, but even those are unto the Lord primarily, but particularly the personal spiritual disciplines are unto the Lord, and He's the only one that needs to know about them. And, and recognizing that, it allows you to present yourself ordinarily opposed to extraordinarily. You see the Pharisees presenting themselves extraordinarily. They want to make sure people know that they are out of the ordinary. What's going on in their life right now is is extra. It is, it is more, and they want you to see what they're doing right now, quote-unquote, for the Lord is over and above what is ordinarily done. And we are guilty, all of us to some extent, of doing this. And we're most guilty of doing these things uh, when it comes to things like life group or coming to church on Sunday or going to dinner at a family's house. And I'm sure many other things, particularly if you're thinking about your marriage and at home or if you're a child listening to this or a, a young adult when you're you know, engaging in interpersonal relationships with other Christians, uh, it's it's really a proclivity in our uh, hearts and a tendency to focus on ourselves and to present ourselves extraordinarily uh, to garner the attention of others and so that we can focus uh, on ourselves and so other people can see uh, that we're going above and beyond or uh, that, that, you know, even like I joked about in the service that when you show up to life group, and you have a long face, and you're wearing uh, your commitments that you've had all week on your face, and, you know, you show up, and it's almost like this attitude of, you know, uh, you're lucky that I'm here, or, you know, you're blessed that I even showed up tonight. It's that kind of extraordinary presentation of yourself uh, in the midst of your quote-unquote spiritual disciplines that Jesus would, would say, that's not biblical, and he outright condemns that attitude in the Pharisees, and I would say that he would outright condemn the attitude of any of us who would do that as well, which is why it'd be incumbent upon us to make sure that we repent from that and weed that out of our hearts and learn how to present ourselves ordinarily so that we can uh, be good at one thing, and that is turning people's attention to Christ where it belongs. Thirdly, we need to keep our original audience in mind. I said this a few weeks ago, this idea that we have an audience of one, and then we need to make sure that in, in all of our commitments and all of our spiritual disciplines, whether they be 
personal spiritual disciplines or corporate spiritual disciplines that we recognize that, that our audience is one. There may be other people, even as Jesus says earlier that I talked about, at the, uh, I think both the 9 and the 11, of the fact that he teaches us that we need to let our light shine before others so that they may see our good works and give glory to God in heaven. And we see that in Matthew 5 in verses 16. Uh, but to recognize the only way that we're going to give glory to God Others are going to give glory to God in heaven as they see our good works is when our good works are done to give glory to God and not to give glory to ourselves. And I think you even see that implicitly in the way that Jesus is talking about the things that we were talking about earlier, like prayer and giving and this week like fasting, because when we do these things uh, to render glory unto ourselves, it tells us what happens here. We've received the reward. We are taking the focus off God and putting it on ourselves. And there's a reality in which, as I do, quote-unquote, good things, uh, and I do them uh, ostentatiously for me, uh, then I am going to receive the attention. And so, therefore, by doing these things uh, in a selfish manner, I am taking away from the glory that belongs to God and that's something we all as Christians should be wary of, and we should beware of that kind of attitude and disposition that we would do anything that would take people's attention away from God. And so for us, it's important, whatever it is, I mean, whether it's your, your, your job or whether it's in your relationships with others, marriage, raising your children, uh, all of your commitments in the spiritual disciplines uh, in the stewardships that you have as a Christian ought to be done through the through the framework of you have one person to please, you have one person to honor, you have one person to worship, and you have one person to esteem above all names. And uh, if we recognize that, uh, we're going to go a long way uh, when it comes to presen- presenting ourselves ordinarily uh, and denying our tendency for self-focused worship. Because ov- o- often when our audience becomes bigger than just God, uh, we become... Uh, a lot like the Pharisees were hypocrites, actors, you know, putting on a show that others would pay attention to us instead of giving glory and honor where it belongs. We had a few questions. I always love when our church uh, scans that QR code there on the note sheet to ask questions that we can talk about in our podcast. So I want to encourage you, if you have questions about sermons uh, and uh, you scan the QR code there on our note sheet, you can ask a question. We'll do our best to answer it in our weekly podcast. One of the questions was this, which is a really good question. Since fasting is not a primary spiritual discipline, how do you know when to fast and for how long? Well, this is a really, really, really good question. Uh, and as a matter of fact, uh, I don't have a, I don't have a perfect concrete answer for you. Uh, and even throughout history, people wouldn't have concrete answers for you. Uh, for instance, uh, when uh, the Pharisees fasted there, even in the time of Jesus, they fasted uh, twice a week on certain days. Uh, I, I think it was Tuesday, Thursday, uh, maybe that that they maybe that they fasted. And uh, in the Didache, which is uh, an early Christian uh, teachings about you know second, third century, I, I believe. Uh, writings for a uh, Christian worship and Christian community, uh, they also fasted twice a week, but on different days than uh, the Jews would have. And so they would tell you historically, well, you fast twice a week as well. And of course, we recognize that that 
um, is not in the Bible. It's not what the Bible teaches us to do. Uh, that is just what people had decided to do. So I think fasting, uh, I think the heart and the reality of fasting is this, that it isn't how often you do it. It's that when you do it, you're doing it uh, for uh, even like I defined in the sermon this morning, that you practice abstaining from food temporarily for the purpose of intensified focus and dependence on God. And so really applying it in that way uh, will be in a somewhat subjective for you, but ask yourselves, is there a time in your life, whether it's a time of mourning, maybe there's a time, there's sin uh, that has been in your life ingrained and you are uh, needing to be dependent on God and you need to lean into God uh, and, uh, you know, have an intensified time of focus, even of repentance and uh, uh, on him to maybe rid you of that sin or to show him that you are uh, ultimately humbling yourself uh, unto him and uh, in taking the focus off yourself and the power of your flesh. I think those are good examples. Uh, perhaps there is, uh, you know, something coming up in your life. Maybe it isn't a time of mourning or a time of repentance from sin, uh, but a time in your life where you are uh, both, there's something coming up in your life that may be significant or big, but even in that, you want to recognize you don't want to depend on your own flesh, but you want to depend on God, and it may be a good time for you uh, to fast then. And on the, all the times that you would eat, you would then spend time instead fasting and reading God's Word and praying uh, and uh, meditating on God's Word, which I think is, is really the important thing to do here. It, it's Fasting is always to rid yourself of things <clears throat> that you would otherwise be taking part in like eating breakfast and eating lunch and eating dinner and instead taking that time and turning your attention to God. And just like Jesus says, man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. It's the kind of heart that says, I'm going to focus on God's word in this time that I would usually eat. Uh, and for how long? I mean, again, I think it's a subjective thing. Uh, you, you see that even the Pharisees and even early Christians, at least their regular fasting, they fasted for a day. Uh, you I have, just like me, seen churches and Christians who fast for uh, weeks. Um, and But I think an important factor to, uh, to understand in fasting is it is temporary, intensified focus. So I think after, it, when fasting does not become temporary for the purpose of intensified focus, I think it's lost uh, it's, uh, the heart of fasting. So yeah, I think it should be short. Um, how short? I, I don't have an opinion on that. Uh, but it should be for a temporary, intensified focus and dependence on God. Uh, so I hope that helps you. Uh, I think that was a really good question. And second question here is, fasting always seems to be about food in the Bible. Modern churches seem to include fasting from Facebook, chocolate, meat, etc. Can those be acceptable forms of fasting? Well, that's a really good. It's a really good point. It's a really good question because you do see fasting uh, in in scripture it always has to do with food. I think of one exception that is not called fasting in the New Testament, but it is the same concept as when Paul says a husband and a wife would abstain from sexual relations for uh, a short amount of time to get it. The, the really the definition of, of fasting here. Uh, to focus on the Lord for a short time and then come back together so they will not be tempted. Uh, I would argue that there's a, there's a form of fasting. And so, yeah, as I, as I look at that, and I recognize that yeah, even in the New Testament is not always about food, but it is primarily about food. And I think that's 
really the important part here is that we are abstaining from things that are uh, that are significant to life itself. You know, I mean, even as you read scripture, uh, food and drink. I mean, obviously, it's a very important to sustaining life in the marriage covenant. Sexual relations are such a, a large part of biblical uh, faithfulness in marriage, and so I think. Uh, to relegate fasting to uh, such menial things as uh, social media and chocolate uh, or meat uh, often take away from the the significance and the reverence of fasting and, and how it ought to be not just a thing here or a thing there, but it needs to be uh, me putting aside uh, some of the sustenance things of life, the substantial things of life and rid myself of them to focus on God intently. Um, And so, you know, uh, and another thing, often, you know, uh, one of the problems that I see with the kind of fasting that we see in our culture when it comes to Facebook or social media, I think those are good things. I think that's a fine thing to get rid of social media. Uh, I've done this. I've done that in my life. But I think one of the problems is, is we often use fasting to get rid of things that we shouldn't be doing anyway. And I think that's one of your big problems with the way that we look at fasting and saying, hey, you know, I'm going to fast from Facebook. Well, should we ask the real question, should I be using Facebook? You know, and I'm not saying it's wrong for everybody, but really is the conviction that I'm doing this too much or this is harmful for my faith or, you know, I'm going to stop eating candy. Well, I mean, should you be eating candy? Are you doing this because you know it's something you want to do less? And I think that's the difference between when you're talking about uh, the Bible talks about food and sex. It's like, we don't want to do that less, you know. We want to eat regularly. I want to make sure that all godly marriages are uh, are are being sexually faithful to one another, and that means meeting each other's needs in that way. And so, to make under to make us help to help us understand the answer to this question is just I want to make sure I'm fasting when it comes to things that are sustenance uh, substantial uh, to my life. Uh, and I want to make sure that I'm fasting in things that, that we would see that are good and that are wonderful and that are good even for the Christian faith, not to necessarily do things less that I should be doing less anyway. Uh, because unless you are being a glutton, you shouldn't be eating less. Uh, and uh, if you're in a godly marriage, even as Paul's talking about, sexual relations is a good thing, ought not to be something we're doing less. Uh, and so I hope that maybe helps us answer the question Uh that question well. And then the final question, maybe a little bit tied to question number one, is how do we know the difference between primary and secondary spiritual disciplines? Are we not commanded to practice secondary spiritual disciplines? Uh, Absolutely. I think this is a good question. As I remarked in the sermons about fasting being a secondary spiritual discipline, and when, when I mean secondary is I don't mean it's something that you uh, shouldn't do. As a matter of fact, I, I, matter of fact, I think that any good, any faithful Christian uh, in their life will have at one time fasted and uh, maybe more than others. What I mean by secondary spiritual discipline is I mean it's something that we recognize isn't primary to my daily life unto the Lord. Another way to look at it is uh, if I did not fast this week or this month or this year, did I sin? And I think uh, although there may be some nuanced answers to that, particularly maybe if your church is going to do a fast or maybe you know, you've been counseled to fast and you think and you understand and know it to be the right thing to do in this season of your life and then you say you're not going to do it. Yeah, I think that would be sin because James says if you know the right thing to do and you don't do it, then that's sin. Uh, but to recognize 
uh, that concept of if I, if I don't fast in a general scenario, uh, am I sinning? The answer is most likely no, versus if I don't read the Bible on a regular basis. If I don't have a daily intake of the Bible, if I don't have a daily prayer life, am I in sin? Well, according to Scripture, you would be. Uh, Psalm 119 said, I, uh, says, I have stored your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. The reality there says uh, my proclivity to sin and my uh, propensity to sin is, uh, is often uh, uh, based upon my Bible intake or lack thereof. And so we would argue very clearly that even the Shema in Deuteronomy 6 tells me that I need to make sure that w- as I get up in the morning, as I walk along the path, um, all the time that I'm I'm in the Word and I'm teaching it to my children, I myself and focus on it. So, to make that good argument of saying those would be primary disciplines and are significant and uh, mandatory for the Christian to be partaking in those daily, and I I even liken it to this, you know, journaling, uh, journaling your devotional thoughts. Uh, that's a that's a really good secondary example of a spiritual discipline. Very important to journal. As a matter of fact, again, like fasting, any faithful Christian uh, throughout their life will have seasons of their life where they're journaling, uh, and maybe other seasons where they're not. Well, you wouldn't say a Christian who isn't journaling uh, is in sin, but you would also say it is a great benefit for the Christian to journal. As a matter of fact, some of the most godly men that I've been around uh, have just oodles of uh, journals that they've written out, uh, whether it's prayers or, or their thoughts on on God's Word as they're studying each and every day. And so, again, I could categorically call that a secondary spiritual discipline, just like fasting. There's a place for it. We are commanded to practice secondary spiritual disciplines, uh, but that's why I would be able to confidently categorically place things like fasting and uh, Bible journaling as a secondary spiritual discipline, not because they're not important, but there are primary spiritual disciplines that you you must be and ought to be doing every single day as a Christian. Really good questions, guys. I'm so grateful that you took the time to ask those questions because if you're thinking about them, odds are other people are as well, and I hope that we can take time as pastors to help answer your questions on these podcasts. All right, to wrap it up, we have some announcements. A reminder that we have another baptism service coming up on October the 15th, and we have spots open for that. And we want to encourage you, if you've never been baptized, sign up for the baptism service. If there has been a moment in your life where you've recognized your sin before a holy God and you've understood that Christ came to absorb the payment for sin on our behalf, and as we turn from our sins, place our trust in him, he then clothes us in his righteousness. We give him the sin of our life, and we stand before God justified by faith. And uh, if that's you, I'd encourage you to uh, sign up for baptism services. Maybe that's something you've done years ago, that is, that you were saved years ago, something that God has done in your life and brought you unto salvation, and you were born again, and you haven't been baptized. And we just encourage you, this is a great opportunity to walk forward. Maybe you have it a little bit... uh, a little bit uh, out of order as far as the steps of obedience. Uh, but I want to tell you, t- today's the day. October 15th is a wonderful time uh, to step forward in uh, faith uh, to say, I'm going to take part of the believer's first obedience. Although it may not be the first thing that you've done since you were saved, it can be an opportunity for you to obey the Lord in believer's baptism. Secondly, we have our men's fellowship coming up on September the 9th from 9 to 11 a.m. So I want to encourage from 6th grade all the way up uh, to join us for our men's fellowship there at the church. 
last two announcements. Our student parent night is coming up on September the 16th from 6 to 8 p.m. here at the church, and we want to encourage all parents and all students and everyone involved in our Compass Student Ministry to prioritize September 16th as we gather together, we eat a meal together, uh, and uh, we listen to Pastor Evan as he shares the vision of what Compass Students is all about and how we partner together as a church with our parents and with our students uh, in hopes that those who aren't become born again and those that are would grow in their faith and we partner with them in that endeavor. So I encourage you that to come to that September 16th from 6 to 8 p.m. And then finally, we have a new page on our website called Serve at Compass, and it's an opportunity for those who have been a part of our church who have gone through Exploring Compass, who maybe haven't been serving much recently or uh, have found themselves in a lull of serving in a particular ministry, they would jump back on board and sign up for a new place to serve. You can go to compasshillcountry.org slash serve at compass and begin going through all the areas to serve and find a place where you believe that you can add value and excellence to our church and a place where you can serve uh, faithfully regularly. Uh, and to build up what God's doing here at Compass. You know, our church is growing a lot, and it's so encouraging to watch so many new people coming to our church, but it's also imperative that we have all of the places in our church uh, staffed up with our serve teams so that they can be excellent in our service and that we can be honoring to the Lord and that we can meet the needs of the people, our church family, who comes and worships, or worships with us on the weekends, who come together on Wednesdays, and even as we're fulfilling roles like life group leaders and apprentice leaders, so people can be cared about even in small group community. And so there's so many places to serve. We want to encourage you to jump on board and serve with us, and you can now find that tab there online. Well, thank you, church, for tuning in to this week's episode of the Compass Equip podcast. We Love you, and we're so excited to join you next Sunday as we celebrate our second birthday as Compass Bible Church Hill Country.